Hello again, everyone, and welcome to today's show. If you're one of the 130 million people that are dealing with SIRS, Lyme disease, autoimmune disease, or other conditions that are impacted by mold on a daily basis, and you need to learn how to eliminate that exposure, then you're in the right place. My name is Brian Carr, and you're listening to Mold Finders Radio. Hey everyone, what's going on? Another episode of the show. Today, I have Dr. Chris Motley on. I gotta be honest, I'm super pumped about this show. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be a little bit different than some of the other health focus episodes that we've done in the past. I think we're gonna have a slightly different look at things. And what I think is gonna come out of this is a takeaway that's going to allow you to have maybe a better understanding of like how your body's working, right? I know a lot of times it's like, oh, hey, I peed in a cup and I have mycotoxins in my hair and that's super cool. Like, what do I do now? And it's like connecting the dots, like, well, maybe this symptom is connected to this area or this generally causes this to happen somewhere else. And if we can start trying to understand how our bodies work a little bit, then maybe it gives us a little more empowerment to then start to address things instead of feeling like we're so overwhelmed and we don't know where to start. So we have Dr. Chris Motley. He is a practitioner of Chinese medicine. He's a kinesiologist. He works on chronic infections. He knows mold. He's also the co-host for the Ancient Health Podcast. He's an instructor at the Health Institute. And he asked me to say he's from Nashville. So (laughs) again, thank you so much, my friend, for having me on. I mean, I really consider it a privilege. And uh, for all of you guys out there, you guys know Brian, but I say I'm thankful for individuals that take the message of the journeys they've been through and the people they know. And, you know, we just have to be supportive and very supportive in this arena to help others uh, spread the message because we know so many people out there are hurting. So thank you again so much for this. Of course. Yeah. I, listen, I'm, I, I may be more excited that you're here than you are to be here, but that's <laughs> fine. Um, why don't you give us a, just a quick little background about you? Like, who are you? Where'd you come from? What, what do you, you know, why do you, why do you do what you do? Um, the first way, like in a nutshell, um, I chose to go into healthcare because I, it, because it worked on my father and my brother when I was younger, my brother was supposed to have back surgery. And so the back surgery, um, I mean, my father was supposed to have back surgery because he was in the military and he basically had that averted because he went to one of our friends who was a chiropractor and I always remember that. And so my dad used to wear one of those belts that support their back. He stopped using it. And I went, okay, so let's see what this is all about. And then this is when I was like five, six years old. Wow. My brother was in the same room with me and he always breathed through his mouth. He always had dust mite issues. And the same doc asked him to come and let me see your brother because they're going to give him the heated inhalers and he was going to get shots every week. And so he worked on his C1, C2. And after a while, my brother started breathing through his nose. And when you're a young guy, you still remember that there is some form of like movement and change when your brother that's sitting right beside you always breathing through his mouth. And I took notice of that. And then I developed, I remember that I always had this inkling in my head, like I would like to see people be cared for. I was always like that sensitive kid that I was always like wanting to make sure that everybody else was okay. And I was going to either be an artist a uh, a pilot or something in healthcare and what, what i kind of artist were you gonna be i like to be sketch artist 
like I did like sketch. I liked uh, just art because my brother was really good and my dad was really good too. And so that was like some of the things like either art or this, man. And so when I decided to go from school to go into it, um, I just felt like I was kind of pushed into it. My, my mom's side, she had some greater uncles, great uncles in the hills of Korea because I'm, I'm half Korean. And so she told me that they were um, herbalists. And so she goes, they took care of the individual. In fact, my great grandfather, she said, did a lot of Tai Chi and such like that. So I was like, oh, okay, there's Tai Chi that's involved. And I think it's, all, it's in my blood probably. Yeah. And that's a good leeway. And so I went to school and then I, I decided right after high school, I was like, you know, I'm going to do something in healthcare because I wanted to maybe do like neurology as in uh, neuroscience or PhD mm -hmm. in that. But I, I think I wanted to put my hands on people. And the, and the, the avenue of like being a neurosurgeon, there was so much depression in that field. I heard, you know, and there was a lot of malpractice. I thought, I don't want to deal with that. So I just listened to some of my dad's friends and I went to a chiropractic university or school. And then, um, I really got heavily into Chinese medicine because in the state of Tennessee, you can do a lot with your chiropractic license. Mm -hmm. And I just went heads on and got my diplomate in, in uh, Chinese medicine. And I started using that because I just started noticing. All that to say is that whenever I was fixing something, that everything correlated to certain acupoints. And I didn't, I knew I studied it, but man, I, after a while, I was like, oh, they have a mold issue. They have a parasite issue. And then it would go to a certain part of the muscle. I was like, oh, I'm just fixing muscle spindles. But then I really started looking at Chinese chart mm -hmm. and I went, oh, they have a spleen issue. And that's in a nutshell how I really got into this field because I'm, you know, we're always constantly learning. I'm not going to yeah. tell you like that. I know all the answers, brother. I, I literally, sometimes I'm in the office. I have this, my books right beside my patient. And I'm like, that is why this happened. I didn't know. And I'm thankful that over the years that it's more of a, an avenue of me, not only helping people, but sending them to the right people. Because those individuals like love it that I, I have enough know-how somebody that can help them so i hope that was a good explanation my friend but that's how i put into it just i always always rooted for the underdog i was always that guy that rooted for the underdog no i you listen it's it's an amazing story a phd in neuroscience and all of this other stuff that you're that you're working you're chiropractic you're working on on uh, uh the uh, acupuncture stuff and i mean geez it's like so much it's it was so like I wanted to like get to like be well-rounded. Like I'm still working on a lot of these things that I really want to go into, but I know that I don't have enough time. You and I, like we do our things, man. It's just hard to have enough time. No, it is. It definitely is. And I, I just, one real quick thing before we get into it. I, I say this a lot. I like, you know what you know, but then you know what you don't know. And mm -hmm. if you're truthful about what you don't know, then it's like for the betterment of everybody. It's better for you because you're now open to like, like your ego's out of the way, you're open to trying to learn something new that'll help someone down the road. It also helps whoever you're talking to so you don't spit something out so you feel like you sound smart and it actually guides them down the wrong path. I That is such an amazing trait in people. A lot of people don't have that trait. A lot of people feel like they have to be the answer to everything because we live in this world now where you, you, know, you, you do it too. You get on social, you talk about stuff you know and it's like, well, what if you don't know something who's, you know, and there's like this, is, this thing that I don't know. So it is truth. I think that uh, people, I believe, respect you more if you realize that you don't know something about something. And yeah. I, I think the years I've almost been in 20 years in practice 
And the more I let go of the fact that I know, can't know everything and trying to be the man like, oh, I got to know this because people will love me for it. Like, no, people love you more when you admit you don't know something. And that's where we're at. Yeah. And it's for the betterment of them. It's not it for is. the betterment totally. of you. Yes, that's, why, yes. that's why people like you more. Um, all right, cool. So we were talking at the start on sort of how to frame what we were going to talk about today. Mm -hmm. It's funny because it's like, oh, here's two ideas. Let's hit record. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> I'm just so excited. And we were getting into conversations like, no, we just need to record this. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Um, but I do think, and, and to set the stage, you know, for everyone listening, it's, we understand that like, if you're listening to this show, you're probably dealing with a chronic health issue of some kind for the most part, right? Um, you're either just learning about it or you're like way into it and you've been doing it for a long time. And so we're kind of try to frame the conversation around a chronic illness as opposed to like something that's like an acute affection or something like that that might be going on. Um, and, you know, one of the big areas I think that we all know that mold impacts, well, it impacts a lot of areas. One of the main areas that people complain about is brain fog, memory loss, cognitive decline. And then if that continues to persist, you get early onset Alzheimer's and, and you know, inhalational Alzheimer's, which is coined by Dr. Bredesen and all mm -hmm. these things. So let's let's start at the brain um i i saw you talking about the brain uh on one of your uh one of your posts when i was scrolling through the other day mm -hmm. and it was tied to infection so i really want to ask this question because mold isn't necessarily an infection of the brain and so i'm wondering if there's correlation because we see the symptoms happen so much mm -hmm. is what you were saying in that post is basically if you had an infection when you were very young and the thing that stood out to me about this post by the way is that you were talking about like a kid who was two Mm -hmm. and and their exposure and i cannot agree with you more that if you are exposed to things when you are super super young your body changes how it responds to those things later on mm -hmm. and so you kind of said and you could correct me if i missed the paraphrase here but that if you had an infection and let's say you cleared it out right you had infections when you were a kid and you know it got better you cleared out the infection but there's still like the remnants that's creating like a chronic inflammatory response in the brain for particular reasons mm -hmm. so i kind of want to dive into that a little bit and then see if there is any sort of correlation to that through something that's more of a you know an environmentally inquired type of thing like mold is mm -hmm. and if that is a similar concept that happened i think it definitely is i think that one of the biggest things that I often find with patients with the chronic infections is that when you etch away at like, let's say they had a chronic strep infection or a staph infection, I never ignore the presence of a mold or a fungus. In fact, it's because if they build up and we know this, people who follow you know that if they build up enough biofilm or enough placking in the area, it just gives the body the avenue or the weakness to where that things will build up. So that's where I want to start off with that. I know because... When you're younger, I have many patients that when they're in an inflammatory state of their brain, usually they either got a yeast fungal issue from the parents, from the bloodstream, or they got strep or staph, many of the patients with chronic mold. Now, I'm not saying everybody, mm -hmm. but, you know, when you're in a daycare and you're at, you know, some kind of kids event, you know, you have kids that have strep infections or they have certain types of viruses as those start to enter the body and they get up and basically up into the sinus gland and up and around the head, I find that when we talk about decreased brain function is at such a young age, and many of your followers know this, but I'll be a nerd, but in the amount of 
anti about the amount of oxidants that your body has to produce at a very young age because you're producing enough stem cells and you're able to get rid of those things. If the strep or any of those infections are at a very early age setting the stage, we know that if the bacterial infection, for example, is making your body produce more oxygen species to kill the infections that's roaming around in the lymph of the brain, those oxygen species like will basically start using like little pinballs will start tearing away at the myelin sheath of the fats. And so you'll start seeing that the neurons get pretty much damaged on the coating. And though, so you'll start to see that. When strep or a connection like that gets into the blood-brain barrier, they found that strep then will do many things. It'll cause you to have anemia-type symptoms because they can act as blood parasites. When the blood-brain barrier gets opened from a chronic infection when you're a kid, you'll start to see that certain infections in that realm, like certain parasites or certain types of extra bacteria will go in. And the brain is such a fertile area for things to eat. I hate to say it that way. It has fats and has high amounts of sugars. And so a lot of infections that feed off sugars will go directly to the brain because it's a high amount of glucose. You will start seeing that individuals with a high amount of um, infection at a very young age will automatically have brain fog and deterioration. We talk about like MS, we talk about dementia. There's, and how this doesn't sound negative, but you'll start to see that young kids don't have much memory. For instance, my mom has a chronic yeast issue. She still works with it. When I was younger, Brian, I remember, I don't remember much of my childhood. I like don't. For what age when you say that? Like how I don't, I, I think to almost like 13. Wow. And it wasn't like any type of emotional trauma either. I just remember I was very cloudy thinking because I ate too much sugars and such. So I always had a sore throat and I know I had strep throat chronically. So that's like with the, the brain health, we'll start to see that there's so much infection that we get as a kid. And they're now saying that certain strep they can find, they can stay within the body from four days up to seven years. In my opinion, though, man, if you have an infection that has fertile ground and you don't have the necessary like antimicrobial, like an bulls or even an antibiotic or something like that to clear them off, they're probably going to stick around for a very long time. So with brain health, we're seeing that there's a nation of deterioration. We talk about panda, panda. We talk about the link between that and mold. Mm -hmm you start to set yourself up because the brain gets so acidic in that way. Mold in its own way, we know this, a lot of fungus and a lot of yeast in its own way will try to offset the bacteria because they'll eat up a lot of the debris. So the body's like literally trying to offset some of the toxicities and you'll start to see certain organs get sicker because of the emotional length of the parent because it chooses an organ because of the programming. You get this acidity level going off with this young stage of infection and you start seeing the mold rise. It's trying to offset and balance. And so the body's not gonna get rid of the mold and fungus many times, in my opinion, what I've seen, because it's like, no, I gotta get this bacteria at bay. It's in my head. And so there's a there's a whole section of our culture that has these kids, and I hope, and even as adults, that have ADD, ADHD, OCD, all these kinds of things are going on in their schools and they're like, no, they have literally fungus and mold in their brain and it's in their lymph nodes. And we know that, but never, underestimate or forget that an old infection like a strep, a staph, a mycoplasma in the brain, in the head, that could still be sticking around. Epstein-Barr virus, any type of virus, along with the mold. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So a few things off of that. So is what you're saying then, so let's, we'll stick with this. You have a strep and you brought up pan, you brought up pandas, which I was going to go to so that I'm glad that, that you moved it there. Mm -hmm. Um, 
Are you saying that mold is going to increase in its attempts to colonize and break down? I mean, the, you know, it's like nature's garbage run, basically. So they're trying to clean up messes mm -hmm. because you have a bacterial infection in that area. So, so mold is going to be um, attracted to that area to try to then offset it. Is that what we're, is that what you're saying? That's, that's what I've experienced. Like a lot of times when I do different types of testing or even like laboratory testing, like usually the area that's really inflamed or has some sort of swollen lymph nodes usually has a presence of like higher amounts of mold or fungus. Um, and they're trying to, they're trying to eat up the area. It's just like people with arthritis at times, you'll find that a lot of people have tons of candida or something of that form of fungus in the joint because it is trying to eat up a lot of the debris, but now it just overgrows. And so the toxicity from that is what's causing such of the issue. So you do find it in those areas. Yes, sir. So with, with the brain barrier getting damaged when these infections are occurring, so you basically said this opens up a gate, right? That's like a barrier that blocks it off. So you open up a little hole, you open a gate, some things can get in there. Mm -hmm. So are, are those self-repairing in any way? Do we have to do things to repair the barrier? Um, how does that work? Because what we're talking about now, we kind of got into kids more. So I know it's like very big red flags when we start talking about kids, you know, parents want to, you know, how do we, how do we, I mean, I've got a two-year-old and a four-year-old. I've got kids that had infections. I mean, they go to school, stuff happens, right? So, yeah. so is there something that we should be thinking about on a, on a preventative slash after infection basis, this thing, kind of both things? to help sort of restore that barrier to help protect this long-term uh, issue. Truly, it's like with the fibers of the blood-brain barrier, if you ever get an infection, like individuals that have a chronic strep or staph, a uh, mold, the, the, they say that the actual electrical charge in the artery walls of the blood-brain barrier are very tight compared to the rest of the body. So as they start to unwind and something can burrow its way through, it means that you have to work pretty hard to repair that artery or those vascular walls because they're meant to be very tight. So I usually recommend with individuals because heavy metals can cause a lot of that unwinding within, you know, the brain barrier. So I don't want to sound overwhelming to your audience, mm -hmm. but what I usually try to find is that I'll use different types of supplementation, even with kids at a young age that build up a lot of the arterial walls and heal the arterial walls. Now I'm very cautious with young kids, but I'm talking this for adults too. Like, so I use different types of brain medicine. I'll use like Ultra Brain, which is uh, from Energy Blueprint. And I'm not promoting them. I don't get no kickback from them. But they'll use different types of supplementation like phosphatidylserine. They'll use Gotacola. They'll use Rhodiola, Turkey Tail, which is adaptogenic mushrooms. And definitely, I would say um, L-theanine and even um, arginine. Now, all that to say, guys, it's just amino acids, vitamins, minerals that heal not only the brain, but the liver. And what I try to tell my patients and what I work on with young individuals is look at getting the liver functioning properly with the blood-brain barrier, which is methylation. So we hear about, it's like methylation has to do with how your liver cleanses, how it rebuilds. So I always look at the nutrients that help build that. Vitamins, you know, vitamin B, vitamin C, vitamin D, and we can go into that more, but we can heal blood-brain barrier if you get the right amount of minerals and the right amount of vitamins and a few herbs. But in Chinese medicine, I really like artery healers. Um, one's uh, Dan Shen. Dan Shen's super great at this. And so Dan Shen is like what they use for heart and artery rolls or Hawthorne berry. And those are some of the ones we use, but for children or for adults, I use sometimes tinctures, but if you can get the cleansing of those infections out, but start repairing that, you'll start seeing that the brain will start to function and essential fatty acids too will really help them and build as well. 
like the fish oils or the plant oils. So that's where, that's the route I go. Got it. Yeah, I think as we get to the end of this, if there's a way for us to sort of structure out like what that is a little bit more mm -hmm. so people have something to take away. I, every time I listen to all the things I listen to, you probably do the same thing. It's like, oh, there's this, there's this. And, I need yeah, and I don't want, I don't want everybody to listen like, and write down everything like, okay, we got to get all this done. Like, no, 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 just, just listen and t stay cool. It's going to be okay. <laughs> um, okay. So let's, let's move from there. We were talking a little at the beginning about the vagus nerve and the purpose of the vagus nerve. Um, or the bagel, ner bagel nerve. Yep, bagel, bagel nerve. nerve. Yeah, yeah. I'm from Vegas. I always like to say that. <laughs> <laughs> the bagel nerve. Excuse me. Um, you see it a lot. I see it scrolling all the time. Everybody's talking about stimulating your bagel nerve. I even went to my functional doctor, and they told me part of what I should be doing is um, uh, triggering like a choking effect with my toothbrush because that stimulates the vagal nerve, and that'll help different things. And that's all great, right? That was just part of the 25 things that I was supposed to be doing. And uh, and I was like, fine, I'll shut myself up. Listen, like, I'll save my questions for other places that are more complicated than shoving my toothbrush down my throat. Um, but it'd be interesting to, if we could dive into just like the general purpose, like how it works, why we want it being stimulated, um, and how it maybe becomes unstimulated. It, in the world of environmental exposures, you know, mold, toxicity, that sort of thing. Sure thing. Um, in a nutshell, the vagus nerve is like your number 10 cranial nerve. So you have cranial nerves that basically are nerves that come out of your brain. And the 10th nerve is like probably the longest nerve that comes out. They say it's the longest nerve that comes out of the brain. It comes right out of uh, the skull from the back. But the important thing about the vagus nerve is that it keeps you calm. And so it connects to most every single organ in your body. So it gives you the relaxation effect. And so the vagus nerve is responsible for your parasympathetic tone. And what they mean tone is volume. So if you have a properly working vagus nerve, your body's going to send the relaxation signals during the early, early mornings or the late at night to either, you know, help you stay relaxed and calm. And then it turns down the volume to allow your sympathetic, the excitatory to bump up during the day when you have to do your work. The hardest part is that when you have any type of injury to the brain, like if you have mold or if you have infections or chronic oxidants in your brain that are frying your brain, they say that it turns down the volume of that parasympathetic. It turns down the volume of the vagus nerve, the proper volume. And then you have sympathetic signals that are consistently running all the day. Now, that we know would put you in like the fight or flight, the fawn or freeze kind of aspect of, of uh, neurology. So when we're talking about healing from Lyme or healing from mold or healing from strep, we notice that you're always in a sympathetic overdrive. And the crazy thing is that you will start to have multitude of symptoms because of all the connective pieces. So you may have hyper overdrive of your thyroid. You could have a higher heartbeat because it's affecting the heart because the nerve literally goes down the chest and inserts into the heart. You could affect your gallbladder, causing gallbladder issues when you eat food. You could literally go down and cause your peristalsis, your decrease of your colon uh, function where you can't have a bowel movement. So when we're talking about vagus nerve injury, we then see that if you had like, let's say a chronic mold injury in the brain and the lymph nodes are congested with the mold or fungus, it's going to keep causing those oxidants to build, you know, oxygen species to kill the mold. It'll lock your upper neck up. You'll start seeing people with tinnitus, tooth pain, sinus pain, sinus pain. You start getting puffy head 
And then when you get the lockup, then you're going to start seeing all the neurological effects too. Like I have stiff arms, stiff leg, and basically if your upper neck stiff, your whole body is pretty much going to be stiff. So that's the vagus nerve and the vagus nerve. Um, I hope that was a pretty good explanation. One of the things I, I so, uh, adamant about checking with vagus nerve stimulation is that when you talked about all the things that help stimulate it to keep it calm and to relax, it's because there are so many things you could do like, you know, stimulating the palate. You can actually blow out the cheeks. There's, uh, even gargling is supposed to be very good for the vagus nerve. But remember it is about reducing that pair of that sympathetic tone to allow your relaxation to build. And we're in a culture where we're not staying relaxed. So, you know, as much as you want to stay relaxed, you had to clean out the infection because it's going to keep causing the irritation of the vagus nerve up in the brain near the brainstem. So that's it in a nutshell. And I hope I explained it decently. No, you did. And it's, it goes back to the, you know, root cause, root cause, root cause, right? So like mm -hmm. if we're trying to turn the, turn the volume up on the parasympathetic because it's getting, because the infection is happening and we're and it's constantly pushing sympathetic, then we have to get the infection or the, infl or the inflammation. Maybe it's not necessarily an infection all the time out and managed so then the work that we're doing there can maintain and stay over a longer period instead of it just being like i'm working on it right now kind of bring it down because i'm physically working on it and then i stop working on it and then it shoots back the other direction because yes the and it doesn't stop it, and that's a great point right because if it keeps stimulating um i know we chatted about this but in chinese medicine like if the, if the brainstem gets really really fatigued and tightened from the vagus nerve if you're always in a fight, flight, or fawn, in fact, the adrenal glands sit right on top of the kidneys. Mm -hmm. And so they call the adrenal glands your fire element. One of them gives you energy and fire. They call the kidneys a water element. It's supposed to keep you calm and cool. Okay. And so if you stimulate your adrenals and your thyroid from consistently being in fight or flight from that vagus nerve being out of, out of whack, then the kidneys will start to dry up because the fire overwhelms the kidneys. So then this is the kicker. You'll start seeing the kidneys where they get fatigued and people start getting chronic UTIs, chronic bladder infections. Mm -hmm. Doc, I can't get rid of my kidney infections. They keep saying I have a, a vaginal yeast infection. Fight or flight can relate to that. And so in Chinese medicine, though, if, if you have like this area where the kidneys are really fatigued, this is the kicker for mold, you're supposed to, you're supposed to get like that grounding effect when you step out in the water or step out on the earth from that kidney one. And that kidney one goes on the inside of the leg all the way up here. And it goes through, we get this, it goes through the kidney, but it goes up through the chest to feed the pericardium, the heart. That then gets to where the heart gets weak. And then the individuals get a heart, you know, heart palpitations. And man, I get skipped breath. I feel like I have tachycardia, but in mold land, when that happens, you can't get enough blood flow to your extremities. So then you start getting cold hands, cold feet. You start getting memory loss. You can't get blood to your brain. That's the number one thing. They call it the shen, the mind of the heart. And it's stimulating that. So A, if this is going on, you're going to have reduction of blood flow to the brain normally. And then people start with moles, start getting loose hair, the mm -hmm. kidneys. Yeah. And that fight or flight will cause the hair scalp to get loosened from that kidney and that bladder being very, very weak. So that's how important getting the infections out of the brain and how much it's important to keep balancing that vagus nerve. Cause you've got to keep the parasympathetic tone up or you're going to drain your kidneys and your heart's going to feel it too. You mentioned so many symptoms I hear all the time, just in that, uh, just like across the board. So you went thinning hair, you went tinnitus. Um, 
What are you just said? Like three or four more things that I've heard consistently. Chronic signs and get this, man. Even this, I know I'm going down the rabbit trail, but I'm just saying, yeah. man. Like when your kidneys get off, UTIs, kidney stones, bladder infection, vaginal, cracked heels. You look at a lot of the like people who have it and they have cracked heels and they say, oh, my feet are just ashy and it's walking like, no, you have a chronic kidney infection and bladder infection underneath it all because that's where the bladder meridian runs. So you have all these little signs and symptoms that tell you that. So, okay. So there's a couple of things you said that I want to ask about. Where, where am I going to go first? I'll ask on this first. Um, yep. You mentioned grounding. Yeah. So that gets into the electromagnetic fields and everything that we're producing in the body, right? Mm -hmm. um, can we, I, I've talked about this a little bit, um, but I, didn't, I haven't had anybody on to talk about it. I, I did some reading and spoke about it. Can we talk about the benefits of grounding? And then my second question off of that, because I've started mm -hmm. seeing PEMF mats yeah. that are supposed to be like that on steroids for you, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm just kind of curious what your thoughts are on those two. Um, I love grounding. I think that grounding uh, within any type of health, you know, practice, Ayurvedic, Chinese medicine, holistic, um, they say that if you get too many toxins from mold, that any type of toxicity is usually uh, in polaric charges on your cells is usually more towards this, the, uh, the positive polarity. So most of the cell or most of the ions are usually positively charged. So when you ground, you're trying to use the earth like an electrode. And so you're trying to get a lot of the negatively charged ions to push up through the legs, mainly through the kidney meridian. That's why they say put your feet on the earth because the negative ions are like a battery, right? They're going to try to go up the leg and get to your kidneys because they say when you're born, it's called the original chi. The original energy that comes from the parent is stored in the kidneys because the kidneys control water, mineral balance. They're very electrical conductive organs. So if you stay that out on the earth or have a grounding mat or a grounding rod, or if you sleep on a grounding sheets, you're supposed to get enough negative charged ions to push all those positive out. And what you'll see is that, okay, for instance, they talk about cancer therapy and I, we have to be careful talking about cancers on podcasts, but they say that if you go into milliamps, if you go up to like 30 or 40 milliamps in the positive charge, they say usually you'll see cancer tumors develop. If you go down to the negative charge, like negative 30 or 40, you're, you're, in the, you're in the clear. You're usually pretty, pretty safe because your body's in that negatively charged um, arena. So, for instance, brother, this is what I do. I work like literally three hard weeks in the office, like, like almost every day with virtuals and stuff. It's like all day, I mean, 7.38 in the morning till late. I'm not, it's not patting myself on the back. It's just like crazy patient load. When I get done, I go down to the water on the end of those, I need to do it every day. But if I can get my feet into the water, like or in the earth, like seriously, three straight days in a row after that heavy work week, I can feel the energy from other people flow, just start to flush. Cause I could make this, the importance of this with the PEMF, at, uh, PEMF mats is this, we don't realize how much negative or negative Ojo, the positive polarity we not only get from mold, but from what we get from other people or other events. So you start to see that when we have this effect, like this positive polarity, like building up, we have to flush it. And that's the importance of flushing with grounding. And people think, oh, you just stand out in the earth. I'm like, no, we build up voltage in our skin, in our tissue. We're electrical beings. You have to ground out. If you're sitting in front of a, a screen all day, the PEMF mat, like you said, it's on steroids. I yeah. love PEMF mats. And so the beauty of a pulsed electromagnetic, like when they have a pulse, they use light, shots of light 
and the pulse, the voltage from the pulse of light literally can make its way deep into your tissue. And it really stimulates mitochondria. It really helps your lymph flow and it really helps you ground out. So I had mats. I mean, I've had mats, man, that moved all my lymph nodes. And I mean, amazing amounts of movement within the lymph nodes and healing out the cell. So do I, do I love them? Yes. I like PMF mats quite a bit. What would, what would the comparison be? So like me personally, I sleep grounded. Um, mm -hmm. and I actually have this guy under my desk all day for everyone listening. I've, yeah. And it's, I have I've one got, too, brother. Yes. I, I have my one grounding too. Yeah. under my feet. Um, which I had to actually, I show it to you. I had to unplug it so I could plug my light in for recording. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. I'm pretty trying anyways. Uh, what is the difference in doing, let's just say you're sleeping grounded. So you have sheets or you have a mat or whatever that you lay on. So it's like an eight hour night, a seven hour night, whatever, as opposed to doing like a 30 minute PMF session is, is it that the PMF penetrates into to more of your body? So you get more of a, cause you're mentioning your, the, the blood or excuse me, the muscle fibers is getting into different components of the body as opposed to just grounding where maybe it's not penetrating as deep. Is that what I'm hearing? I believe so, because from what I've seen and what I experienced is that the higher the pulse rate, the higher the, the, light, uh, the light rate they put through the tubes uh, on the PMF, uh, if you can get enough of the, the voltage to push through and bound off or like create enough of a field around the tube, like it's pushing that light through, you're starting to get this electromagnetic pulse, it, it may have to force its way into your tissue. So when you ground out, it, you probably would have to be on a grounding mat or grounding uh, sheet for a longer extended period of time, because depending on how much toxicity you have built up in your tissue, this is what I find. Like if you had a lot of mold toxins within your lymph nodes or in the interstitial fluids, if you do a grounding root mat, I think it works perfect. But if you have really old toxicities built up, even within the cells, because we know our cells are like hardened matrix. And so you have all these toxins built up. You may have to have a, a more of a punch to the internal toxins that are probably you know, not say solidified, but I got close to it, like caked up. So at times, like, uh, I have an inguinal lymph node on my left side. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've done grounding and stuff like that. But the first time I ever did one of those higher intensity PEMF mats, I literally felt the whole side drain out. And I was like, oh, I just needed more of a charge being pushed through in that area. So for those who can't, like, they, I, you've seen this too, brother. Like, when you do a, a grounding mat, some people say, well, I, I did it, but I, I really didn't feel that much difference. Yeah. But I see the difference. I'm serious. I'm like, I can tell when voltage is low just from the instruments I use at the office and things. I'm like, okay, but it's still helping you. It's doing really well. But they, I tell them, go get a PEMF mat or get on those and they'll, they'll, yeah, I'm like, yeah, you just need a little extra push. So that's just the difference. It's just how, how much the toxins have solidified in the body. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I don't really feel, I never felt a difference when I grounded. Um, mm -hmm. And, but it's like, for me, it's like, it's a low cost thing. Like the grounding mats are inexpensive in the grand scale. Like PMFs are more expensive, but a grounding mat is pretty cheap and I'm sleeping anyway. Like yeah. there's no, there's no downside to it. I might as well do it. Even if it's not for something immediate, there's like longer term studies on the, you know, the reduced inflammation. And we know that that is kind of the root of a lot of the disease and all this stuff. So I'm like, ah, it's one of these things I can do where I don't have to think about it. Perfect. Yeah. Let's, let's put this on the bed and I'll be doing this. <laughs> I'm telling you because you probably eat pretty well. You look, your skin glows really well. You can tell you eat well. I can just tell like from your facial features and such, you eat well. But the, for the individuals who probably don't eat that well, like they're probably going to notice it more. You know what I mean? Like in, yeah. in their dietary and their lifestyle. But you're right. It's just, but I'm like long-term effects. I think about it. Like we look on our cell phones and I'm saying like the new Apple iPhones, like putting out so much voltage and so much radiation. Yeah. But 
those are the long-term effects. Like, oh, I've used a cell phone for 15 years. I'm like, well, you probably need to use a grounding mat for 15 years to, to hopefully keep your cells out of inflammation. So it's a long, it's a long game. Yeah. I think a lot lately I've been thinking about like on a tangent is kind of the long game more. Like I've started working out more consistently lately, but I started because I started getting into different podcasts and listening and I found, you know, certain people talking about the, you know, like the number one cause, you know, or reason for mortality down the road, or I shouldn't say reason indicator of somebody who might be like more susceptible is like leg strength, for example. Yeah, like just little things. And part of it is if you get older and you can't hold yourself up and you fall, you fall. And then that causes one thing. And next thing you know, you end up in the bed with pneumonia and, you, and you're gone or whatever. Right. And so that's right. It's so I was like, listen, I'm like, gosh, I mean, these, you know, and then just understanding, like, you know, how you reduce muscle mass as you get older and the importance that muscle mass has on long term health and then how it helps impact the brain, like all these things. I'm like, all right, got to start. We have to start getting off of this. Like, how does this like, how do I feel this right now, like in the in the next 10 minutes or the next week and start doing these things that are going to help us down the road? It, it's like it's like investing for your retirement, but it's doing it for your health. Yes, right? that's exactly right. Oh, sorry. I didn't want to interrupt. No, 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 go. I love it when you talk about like you say, if you reduce muscle strength and in my my thoughts are that when you start to see like the, the long term effects you have. The one thing I like in, in, you know, holistic medicine or alternative medicine, and there's a lot of Western medicine practitioners that do great jobs and they're really preventative. But I love that when you look down uh, the long-term effects like muscle wasting, if, if I necessarily found like certain muscles or if I found like, let's say uh, a certain joint that was deteriorating, the preventative way is to say, okay, muscles are related to the spleen in Chinese medicine. It's because they help, the spleen and pancreas help metabolize sugars that give your muscles quick energy. Okay. But as we get older, like you're looking at your muscle strengths and we all are like, I want to stay stable and up. But if I start to get an indication, like my muscles are getting weaker, that makes me look into my spleen pancreas area. And I'm not trying to sound fancy, but this is how it is a chronic infection. You could have a chronic infection in your pancreas or your spleen. And I try and analyze and go, okay, is, did you have old mono? Did you have old strep? Did you have something that really challenged your spleen? To keep us vital as we get older, sure. you have to be investigative. Like you have to go in there and go, oh, my muscles are not building. Or another one was like, this joint is killing me on my left side. And in Chinese medicine, they'll say like the small intestine, meridian, runs right through the shoulder. So does the thyroid. So you look at the small intestine or the thyroid and you go, well, you probably you know, get a test and say, well, in the long run, if you don't get that thyroid fixed up, your shoulder is just an indication. Your thyroid's completely messed up. So I'm always like that long game. It's like you got to get the thyroid and the viruses cleaned out of the, the thyroid and work on the emotions of it too. So I hope I didn't overrun uh, that thought. But I'm like when we talk about preventative and trying to get the long game in, it's like your body, like the muscle strength and things give you an indication. All the connected pieces, structure, chemical, organs, psyche, emotion, they all work together. Yeah, it's it's important. I think understanding how to balance like where you're putting your time and your energy is important too, right? So like if somebody is very, very heavily acutely sick right now from whatever's going on, then it's like, okay, I actually talk about so, you know, it's kind of it's sort of the thought process I use on structuring like remediation plans in a way. Like mm -hmm. it's all kind of like anchored in the same thing. It's like, what what is the thing that's having the biggest impact right now? Right. Like mm -hmm. try to focus on that. And then like as an overlay, are some of those things that are having, like let's say you have five things that are causing the biggest impact. All right, of those five things, are there maybe 
two or three of those things that if we address them, not only would help significantly now, but also would help something much more down the road too, like in a long-term effect, where mm -hmm. maybe like the two you left off the list didn't have as much of a long-term effect and they, but they would have an equal short-term effect or something. Right. Mm -hmm. And so like, when I'm thinking, it's like, all right, if I can do something that's going to give me short-term effect, because we're all creatures of dopamine hits. I mean, mm -hmm. it's just, we, we have to have it right now with phones and everything that goes on, like you have to have it. And it's like, all right, if we're really going to structure something for success, then we have to do it around like the, the infrastructure that we now live in. Right. And, and one of the big reward systems is that you have to feel some sort of immediate reward while you're working towards something else. So then it's like structuring out a plan where you're, you're laying in like the long term, but you're showing some immediate repair as well. Some immediate, you know, whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. And so it encourages someone to stay along. I almost imagine like, I mean, I know nothing about being a doctor. So just like talking about this, like in this way, like if I was going to think about how I built some sort of like treatment plan or something that showed progression, um, or may, let's not say a doctor, let's say I was a, a physical trainer. That's a better mm -hmm. way to say it. And, and I was wanting to keep somebody on a long-term health program because I know down the road, this is what they need to do to be functional and healthy and be able to move around when they're older and actually enjoy life when they're older. But I can't get someone to just do that now. Then what I would be thinking is like, all right, how do I layer on like 30% of that and 70% of the now? Yes. And then like, look at them as they get older and the percentages start changing. It's like, all right, now you're a little older. Now it's 50, 50. Now you're a little older. Now it's flipping the other way. And now it's 30, 70, the other way. And it's like flipping the other way. It's like tricking ourselves into building the habit to then at that point, you're like on it. You're like, yeah, I just like doing this now. Yes. But, but hitting those, those immediate like dopamine hits that get then the immediate gratification stuff that happens that like, keeps people doing things. So I don't even know how I guess got No, it. no, I, I love that. I think that it truly is like when you say the gratification of like keeping people involved in their own health, like people out there, if they take a supplement and they say, this is going to help you with this, this, and this, and they come back to me and go, doc, I took that for like six months and it didn't do anything for me. Mm -hmm. And when we, I always find that the body, uh, like, especially when you do pulse points in Chinese medicine, or if you could do like tongue analysis, you're going to find things that are probably really chronic. But what I have found is that from all the, uh, from the years, that the body does give you, like you said, out of those five things, it will probably give you the first two or three things that would actually cause the ball to roll. Now, the differences and finding practitioners who are those intuitive individuals that go, I know I need to use this to these two to get the other ball rolling, to get them to feel the effect. And I believe the body does that. I do. I believe the body prioritizes. It's just how well does the person or the practitioner listen? I'm not saying I do it all the time. So believe me, I'm not saying that at all. I just believe it happens that way. Like you, they always talk about onion layers. And some individuals would say, well, if you have parasites, let's just take all the herbs in the world to kill all the parasites. I'm like, no, I always look at the, the, the body like an iPhone or a, a smartphone. I really do. Mm -hmm. Depending on how many apps are running, your body will say, well, let's get rid of all the apps that are probably the, you know, giving you like taking a little bit of your memory. And that big app finally can have enough energy to run the big app, even though it's running. And so I think that like, let's say people say, well, let's do a big liver cleanse. They're like, well, why don't you just get rid of all the other small things and maybe give enough energy to the liver to do its work. Mm -hmm. And maybe you need to do that. And I, I'm with you on that one. It, th there's a lot of that jury still out on that because like, how do, you know, how do you keep somebody involved? Because I have to say in my practice, I try to always try to hit those little nuances that would make them feel like, okay, you come in here with a digestive issue, like I have bloating. Mm -hmm. For everybody out there, if you have a mold issue and you say, well, I have brain fog. 
I do not go after all the other little things. If they came in and they told me they had a brain fog, I am going after brain fog. Hopefully six other things get fixed up and they go, doc, you know, this helped this great, great, great. How's your brain fog? Never get off of it. Mm-hmm. So that's how I feel. I like that avenue. That was a good question. That was a good question. Good leeway. That was great. I actually like that. Okay. So my wife and I are watching the good wife right now. Yeah. Um, we're like five or six seasons in. we have to have shows we can watch with the kids around. So like, we just have like, yeah, and stuff. So we're watching this show and she's at the point in this show where she's like running for office now or whatever. And, um, and so they have all the campaign managers like talking, you know, and it's like, you got to stay on message. You got to stay on message. You need the voters to, to understand the message and this and that. And what you said just reminded me of that. Like, and it's true. Like if, if you want, and this isn't wanting someone else to do something either. I mean, that's part of it. Right. But it's also mm-hmm. like getting yourself to continue to do something. You're mm-hmm. negotiating with yourself all time, every day you're negotiating with yourself to do stuff. My alarm wakes up, it goes off at five 30. I want to go to the gym and I'm negotiating whether or not I'm going to wake up out of bed. Like, it's just like, no, no, no. Right. Yep. And so you're constantly going to do that. And the idea, like the whole politician thing and the, like the, what you triggered in my mind from the show is this constant of like staying on message. Like you came in for brain fog. We're talking brain fog. We're talking brain fog. Let's talk about, let's talk about improvement on that improvement on that. Find the thing that is going to make you most motivated and most excited and, or provide the most validation or whatever it is that you need and hone in on that thing. And other good things will happen too. Same mm-hmm. like if you're working out and you're working out in a way that's like meant to pump your muscles up really big, right? Like you're like, so you look at yourself in the mirror, like, oh man, my arms are like looking really good now, right? Mm-hmm. But you're also doing other things while you're doing it. You're building strength. You're like, there's other things that you're doing in that process, but you're leaning heavily maybe into the one thing that you want to happen a little faster and a little quicker to help continue your motivation and keep doing that. Mm-hmm. I think it's like, a, you know, so as we're going through whatever journey we are on, no matter what our goal is and what we're doing, like be honest with yourself and say, if this happened, I would be more likely to continue doing this thing that I know in my brain is what I should be doing. But as normal people do, we all get sidetracked because it's not the easiest thing in the world, right? So it's like a little, like a little, uh, a little hack, it is. maybe. <laughs> it is. We all do it, like, especially in the age with like social media. It's like I have patients that come in, they'll say, doc, this and this and this, and they'll come in with a list and, you know, cause they're concerned and, and, but you have to like really pinpoint some things and say, uh, what's the biggest dopamine hit? What would you feel the most excited about getting rid of? And yeah. And I notice usually if an individual start to get like with mold, if they had like a condition with mold or something of that sort, they start to not necessarily forget that they had it, but they, they start to, the, the symptoms start to fade away and they won't mention it as much. Mm-hmm. And then when I get to it, I'm like, they'll go, ah, oh, I kind of quit like, you know, like four weeks ago or something like that. I'm like, okay, that's good. You know, but it's also like, I want to remind them not to get praise from it. It's just to have their brain remember, like, that's still something we had to keep in mind because infections can be pretty tricky. And, you know, you just got to keep motivating. Like, remember, like, remember where you're at, but also like make, know that you can keep going forward too. Yeah. Yeah. I had one other thing I wanted to ask about, cause we were talking about different organs in the body and how they're connected to different things. Mm-hmm. Skin issues are a really big thing that I see a lot happening. It was actually mm-hmm. my trigger that happened for me. Um, when I had my exposures, it still flares up. I'm actually, I'm not flaking today, but I'm feeling like the roughness today. So, mm-hmm. um, but like with the last couple of days, I've actually even started like the flaky and the, and the itching on my face. So for those of you listening, basically where's it at this, 
on right both sides of my nose, kind of like, like right over here. Okay. Um, everyone listening right over here, uh, yeah. your face, uh, kind of like your cheeks, but as close as you can get to your nose kind of, and it's like, right where like that skin meets my nose. That's where my kind of stuff happens. And I've noticed it flaring up again, um, in the last few days. It's funny. I was talking to my wife though. I'm like, I mean, I'm eating well. Like I, like sometimes if I go on like a weekend, you know, we go on, you know, it's a wedding or something and you go and you're like, all right, we're eating whatever we're eating and we're drinking for a couple of days or whatever. And then yeah, I might see something like that flare up or whatever, but like mm -hmm. been pretty straight, like nothing, nothing crazy. So like, I'm curious, like for me, and I, obviously we can't get into every part on the body, but just to maybe show how this works, like what area in the body is that area on my face possibly connected to? And what might it be um, talking or what might it be indicating? Truly, like if it's right there, right at the edge where it meets the nose right here, I usually say that it has to do with mostly with two things. It could be the stomach or the lungs. Now, uh, I'll just show you on mine, like right on this area, like you have stomach one acupuncture points right here and the stomach one will run down the chin right through here, mm -hmm. all the way down, pass through your stomach. When it starts to flake up, it could be that or the, the lungs, and I'll go with that one as well. But if the stomach one runs right here at the cheek and it goes right down, you usually will have individuals if they have a mold or a fungus, you always have to see if they had a chronic infection like an H. pylori or an E. coli or something like that in the stomach. So I always ask the history. Did you have, you have H. pylori? And you got H. pylori and he got stimulated. And the chi, people think it's unusual, but the chi will do this. It goes down, right? But if you had something here that required a lot of electrical energy, right here, I'll put in the, like, right there, it will block because the energy needs to stay there to try to mend the stomach. Okay. But it'll start to revert back because it's bipolar electrical energy and it'll go up and it'll stuff the sinuses. And so you'll start to see irritation at the stomach one point and it'll start getting flaked. That's one aspect. It could be that. And then I always say, well, the stomach and the spleen, that's called the stomach spleen meridian. They're paired meridians. I always look into, okay, you could have eaten something really well, but why is that, you know, the H. pylori staying in the esophagus or the stomach? Usually I would find what's like Chinese medicine or German new medicine, that the stomach has to do with emotions of being, like being over-concerned or being past that, like I'm over-concerned or I care more about others. Like you're doing the podcast more than I care about myself or that I like, or it could have been an issue when you're young, like low self-worth. Or what if a parent had that? That is a constitutional, could be a constitutional weak organ. My stomach is my constitutional weak organ. So you could have that being flared up from the emotions as well. So that's what it looks like to me when you have that condition. Now, you could have, when you're younger, breathed in something, right? Like right here. And the infections got stuck in those little sinuses, the maxillary sinuses, right? Mm -hmm. And you could have had genetically where that stomach was weaker because a parent gave you a genetically not weak stomach, but that was your constitutional organ where you dealt with all your stress by worrying about it. Okay. Then the infection gets stagnant there because there's that backup of inflammation right there. Mm -hmm. So it could have been something that you got that or got in the stomach, the H. pylori uh, in their stomach. So if it is on the sides of the cheeks, like if it, but it's right over here, if it's more on the side of the cheek, I would say lungs. Lungs are a big thing too. So if it's on the sides over here, like on the upper cheek, I always say this person has bronchitis or an old pneumonia. That's what right. I use. Yeah, you can look at all over the face and I can tell usually with the patient right on their face or where they have rashes on their body because usually I can tell them which organ is inflamed or infected. Got it. So knowing that, I mean, I did this test a few, uh, probably a couple of years ago at this point, maybe a year ago, I did a GI map, but I had an H. pylori um, 
issue in there and there was some other opportunistic overgrowth in there. So it seems like if that's the case, I probably just have like an imbalanced gut microbiome. Does that sound? Yes, that's that's what it sounds like when it gets right near the turbines. I would suspect that, and you did a good job and you're doing a great job. It's just that there's could it be some like, there could be one infection that's being stubborn. They could have a lot of good adhesive proteins in your gut. And, you know, if you had a little, you know, extra food or drink or something of that sort, but that would just tell me that you'd have to, we'd have to work more like on a, a little bit more on some of the biofilming and work on some emotional fatigue, like in that area too. Got it. Well, this was really cool. I think this was a really cool talk. I don't know. How do you feel about it? I, I loved it, man. I thought we did a really, I think we banter really back, back and forth really well, my friend. I hope I didn't bore you guys to death and the whole, and the whole crew out there that's listening. But um, I think we had a really good conversation piece and I really am thankful for it though, too. So. Oh, one thing that we said that were, that I said at the top that I wanted to try to do. So um, again, in the lens of someone who's dealing with a chronic inflammatory issue, so not necessarily an infection, but just a chronic inflammatory issue. Mm -hmm. We were talking about maybe some takeaways in terms of maybe supplementation or food specifically, or even some of these um, like easier to do. I mean, now they're, you know, they're biohacking stuff or whatever you call it now, right? You know, just things that we can do to help kind of offset that a little bit while we're going through the healing journey. You have any suggestions or recommendations around that? Yes. I'm going to try to hit like really so as inefficiently, usually for supplementation, uh, for a pretty good strong supplement or herbal that would help with like the mold or any type of brain inflammation uh, to start cleaning it out. I find that neem is really good. Neem is known as malia, but neem is an Ayurvedic herb that has been really known to help clean up lots of mold and fungus. Um, if you want to go a, a more efficient route is the neem or scutellaria. Scutellaria is known as Chinese skullcap. Those two would really help with cleansing out. And they've been known to like, if you can get it into the digestive system, they start cleaning out the infection, you'll start cleaning out the brain. For young individuals, and I hope you guys can write this down. So we said neem, we said Chinese skullcap, but like for a lighter dose, I would say Elysium, which is star anise. Yes, the spice. Star anise is really good for like chilling. Elysium will do really well. And even chrysanthemum. So you start to see that there's these herbs that actually can start to help clean up the inflammatory process. Now, chrysanthemum is one of my favorites because it's very neuroprotective. It helps heal the brain and helps heal the heart. So I, that's one of my go-tos. It's safe for ladies that do breastfeeding, that children pregnant, and for children. So you can never go on. There's one called Vital Guard Supreme that I would really like suggest. So those four are like your options there. Cool. Whenever we talk about brain eating, guys, it really is just like anti-inflammatory diet. I just tell people without getting too complicated, just cut out your refined sugars. Cut out just refined sugars. I can't even go. And if for individuals, I'd say like, I'm not saying all dairy is bad, but like dairy and refined sugars. I know your people who follow it, that it is a true thing. It does feed on that. So I'm going to find the best gains if you do cut out your refined sugars, but also increase your good fats if your body can handle good fats. Yeah. Um, lifestyle changes. Um, when it comes to uh, neuroinflammatory, um, people may say it increases their brain fog, but I'd say bounding, uh, anything that would help the lymph move. So I would suggest that you can do electro lymph therapy, ELT, mm -hmm. bounding, jumping jacks, or lymph there, but very gentle. Um, and you can do some forms of infrared, but I don't say every single day. Infrared saunas are good, like maybe every two or three days. Um, but those are some of my main, I say biohacks, but when we talk about like good diet sources or what good foods, I, I always say like, do you want to get food allergy testing all the time? They work pretty well. 
But I, I would do that. Even if people don't necessarily like those blood tests, I've gotten mine every six months and I just follow that and I don't eat the foods that inflame me. And I find that I do a ton of testing here at the office and my patients, brother, that get the best results, they'll literally go, I did not know that black pepper was bad for me. And they cut it out or blueberries. What? Blueberries are great for me. I said, just cut them out for four weeks. And then they go, oh, I gave my digestion rest. You can go back to eating it if you don't have a tree allergy. So those are some of my suggestions. I hope that was uh, good for you. But like I use, uh, I have one right here. I, I use, I use uh, Ultra Brain. I get no kickback from the Ultra Brain, but they're good neurotropics. I use good neurotropics and good adaptogenic mushrooms. What is all you said every that earlier, Ultra Brain? So what does that do specifically? Ultra Brain was uh, formulated by uh, Ari Witten. He's a he's a really smart guy. He goes the Energy Blueprint, and he put together like a, a combination of different types. Like he put. You know, he has uh, about how many, I'm trying to read here, about 15 different supplements that are very neuroprotective, but they increase the connective pieces of your brain. Okay. They actually increase cognition. And so he's really good because he doesn't put any fillers or binders. And what he told me was that he goes, the hardest part is like you have such good, good ingredients that um, it's hard because it's expensive to put all in one capsule. So what they call neurotropics, N-O-O-T-R-O-P-I-C, neurotropics. So he put that in there to help increase. I found that if I do this um, and I, and I try to do those herbs and I do like, like neurofeedback, I do like lens therapy, L E N S lens therapy to help get the brain stimulated again, you'll start cleansing a lot of those infections in the brain. So I, I, I hope that guys that helps you out there, but check out, not saying you have to get ultra brain, but check into something that's similar like that. Awesome. Yeah. Super cool. Thank you so much. Ryan, I hope this was good, man. I mean, I appreciate you letting me come on here, but I'm going to have to talk to the team and see about you getting you on ours because we want to talk more about mold, man. It's a, it's an epidemic out there, brother. We got to, we got to spread the message, you know, and you're doing well, it. Listen, I really appreciate it. And for everyone listening, don't wait for me to get on there because the ancient health podcast is like one of the biggest podcasts in the world. So you should oh. probably go listen to it. <laughs> There's a lot of good stuff. I appreciate on there. it, man. Thank you so much. It's, uh, it's Dr. Chris Motley, and it's also uh, Dr. Josh Axe that are on that uh, on that podcast. So it's it's a really really awesome one. And thank you specifically for for taking the time to share today. I feel like this is a, a conversation that got into some things that we don't normally talk about. But I think, listen, there's, I just it's funny. I, every time I say something, I think of a story or whatever. But it's like people were people were getting better a long time before we started coming up with just a pill for everything. Now it's not to say that like medicine and pills are bad because they're not, there's definitely like a lot of help there, but to then completely discount the other end of how people healed themselves for all of the hundreds of years before specific medicines were made. Mm -hmm. Like what we should be doing is looking at both of those, which is what you're doing saying what worked over here. And now we have new technology over here that really helps in the areas that maybe were deficient on the first side, or maybe can help bolster what we were doing over here and put together like a, a, the most optimal plan that we can put together and put these things together. It's the same way that I build like a sampling plan in a house. Like you look at where the weaknesses are, you fill it with where their strengths for something else. The next thing you know, you get a full picture of what's going on. And I feel like the way that you're approaching this is really cool. And you know, there's a reason that's, that, uh, you know, everybody wants to talk to you and they oh, for me to eat every day. So <laughs> it's crazy, man. Long days, but, but thankful to help though. I really am. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much. And I look forward to, to jumping on your show here sometime in the future too. I will. I'll keep it out. I'm going to tell them to reach out to you. It'd be good. I'm talking to Abby this, uh, in two, three days and I'll talk to her and ask her about it. It'd be great. Awesome. Thanks, Chris. Thank you, my friend.
So that's it for today's show, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment and subscribe and give a rating wherever you get your podcasts. It'll help spread the word to those who really need it the most. 